No other creative field is as close to those who are not white and male as is the visual arts. After I decided to be an artist, the first thing that I had to believe was that I, a black woman, could penetrate the art scene and that further I could do so without sacrificing one iota of my blackness or my femaleness or my humanity. Yo, that's a quote from Faith Ringo, another dope black woman and artist. This is another episode of the Fold and Chair Podcast. I'm your host, Osiris Bali. I'm looking forward to y'all checking out this episode because we're featuring Adasia Cooper, the journey for power, preservation, and activism in art. Let's go. Hey, yo, what up, world? It's another episode of the Fold and Chair Podcast, powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. Once again, I'm your host, Osiris, and we got another great episode for all the podcast listeners. Today, we got artist, activist, Adasia Cooper. What's up, Adasia? Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. All right, yeah, you got a lot going on for the people. A lot of people have heard about you in our community, and uh, I'm sure some people may be unfamiliar, so this is going to be an exciting interview to get all our listeners acquainted with what you do and who you are. But first, every episode starts with this game called Pick Six. I just need to know, are you down for the Pick Six? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we haven't been denied yet. So <laughs> six random questions. Just give it to me however you feel, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to put a whole lot of effort into these answers. They're just fun questions. Pick six. Number one, what emoji do you use the most? Ooh, that's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> Probably the hand heart emoji. I do that in oh. real life. I feel like that's, it applies to the digital world as well. <laughs> All right, cool, cool, sweet. Through text on social media, we get the ad hearts from the Deja. <laughs> That's dope. All right, question number two, pick six. What's your dream concert lineup? Ooh. Oh, these are some good questions. Yeah. So the headliner would be, ooh. Okay, I'm going to say Beyonce. Okay. Just because she's, you know, the GOAT right now, in my opinion. And then Kendrick Lamar, I'm going to say Jid Ooh. and Ari Lennox. Oh, right. Yo, that's uh, <laughs> a dope concert lineup right there. You know? Yeah, I feel like it was so loud for sure. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. If you, if, <laughs> if you were promoting this concert, you would definitely have no problem selling out. They sell out five minutes in it online. <laughs> I got to, I got to, you hit me with some curveballs. Beyonce, probably the most popular entertainer, black entertainer, I'd say. And then K Dot, definitely uh, one of the hottest rappers out there, you know what I'm saying? Go albums, for sure. But you, you threw me for a loop when you said Jid, Ari Lennox. <laughs> well, I see both of them in concert. They do, they, they, they dope. Uh, saw them on tour with J. Cole, so I definitely love Jid. All right. Yeah. All right. Pick 
Pick six, question number three. Name someone that you really admire that you met. I'm going to say Delita Martin. I had the opportunity to help install her show that she had at the Wingate Museum. Mm -hmm. The art is very, very interesting, very large, and she's primarily a printmaker she incorporates other mediums like painting and drawing um so it's really nice to see those different layers in person while mm -hmm. I'm aside it. but aside from her art she's just such a, a genuine and cool lady like she was so nice I had the opportunity to meet her in class visits and like one-on-one -on -one critiques of my art and I got a chance to have lunch with her and each time like she just wowed me with her personality just being so authentic and it's crazy because I looked up to this lady since high school my art teacher in high school Rex Deloney he told me about her artwork and how she's from Little Rock and she's just goaded and she's doing all this stuff and I even saw some of her paintings in like a Netflix movie so I knew I've been new about her but to actually see her and to experience her was incredible and it really helped me envision myself of how I could be an even better artist in the future. So Delita Martin, for sure. Yo, that's dope. I remember, I, I believe I saw her artwork at the Mosaic Tempers and Pyramid at one point. Um, yeah. But I know she also taught in Euler at one point too. So that's dope that to have a co uh, connection to a little rock artist like her. Very, very talented, like you said, too. I definitely agree with you. But I've never met her, so you you got one up on me for sure. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Question number four, pick six. You had a gift card to one place for the rest of your life. What place would that be? Ooh, gift card. I'm going to say... Barnes and Noble. <laughs> All right. Barnes and Noble. Um, oh, Barnes and Noble has a special place in my heart. Yeah. Um, e bookstore, really. But as a kid, my mom, she would take me there on, you know, special Saturdays. And I would just sit and spend my entire afternoon just browsing all the different sections. And I feel like that really had an effect on how I viewed education. How mm -hmm. learning in general um and plus it's just such a comfortable place yeah. um, <laughs> very comfortable place so yeah i'm gonna say barnes and noble and then a, a second one because i'm a big foodie i'm gonna say i don't even know if they do gift cards but um k-hall <laughs> <say K -Hall. laughs> hey you know what <laughs> You cheated, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's that's definitely, you know what I'm saying, two of those places, bars and nobles that you can just do about anything with your gift card there from music to art to books to food, all of that there. And um, but uh yeah, K Hall, you you went with the hometown favorite right there. Definitely yes. the best places to get food. And they getting so popular now. It's probably about time for you to go ahead and make a K Hall gift card because that'd be a great like gift on a birthday, holiday, whatever. I definitely agree. Yeah. I definitely agree. 
one thing that I want to share would be to believe that it'll all work out eventually. Mm -hmm. um, that sounds so cliche, but <laughs> <laughs> just especially in my case right now, I'm traveling somewhere that I've never been. Um, and I just have to have faith that it'll work out no matter how I'm feeling in this current, in this current moment. Um, everything kind of happens for a reason and that yeah. reason will eventually benefit me in some way. Even if it's a lesson, it'll still have a positive effect on me. No doubt. I didn't, I didn't think you were going to answer all three of those, but you know what I'm saying? That's that's definitely what's up. Like, um, I'm, I like that first answer when you said just tradition of sitting on the porch and just watching the world. I mean, like you said, it's, it's a sense of community. That's how we build relationships in our communities with our neighbors, just like being outside and speaking and waving as folks going by, paying attention to the happenings in the neighborhood, you know what I'm saying? So that's a uh, that's something I think the elders did a lot of and that we should start doing more of is just stepping outside, you know, letting our presence be felt in the community and paying attention to what's going on. That's that's dope. And uh, definitely, we, we got to learn how to be better communicators with each other. So communication is great. Tool and I'm always saying to people like go out and learn about people, build relationships, so you can talk to people. You know, saying make sure that that's priority in your life, especially as an organized activist. And then, yeah, uh, it doesn't sound cliche to me, but like you know, what I'm saying that is something that we have to do is just keep on pushing, just knowing that things will, will eventually work out. And so that's just big to, you know, have faith in yourself and in your journey. So, dope answers, man. I, I think you, you know what I'm saying? I feel like you played pick six before, even though it's your first <laughs> you know, doing the interview. But, yo, Deja Cooper, let me let me give you the introduction to all the listeners. You don't know who Deja Cooper is. Deja Cooper, she's a national award-winning published artist from Little Rock, Arkansas. Born in the great city of Magnolia, so Deja has always expressed the passion for art at a young age through drawings and comic strips. And at the age of 17, Deja began using paint to experiment with bright colors and immersive portraits and has fallen in love ever since. During the summer of 2017, Deja was accepted to Arkansas Governor School, where she further developed her skills with acrylics and oils along with winning multiple state competitions for art, including the AYAA, Arkansas Young Artists Association. She has been to national competitions competing with her paintings. 2019, she won third place in the painting category of National NAACP AXO competition in Detroit, Michigan. Adasia's art has been published in Little Rock School Ray Magazine and Hendrix Aoni and Literary Magazine. I hope I said that right. Yes. Her art has also graced the cover of JABSC Journal of Alliance of Black School 
Educators Magazine. She created a couple of pages for the Central Arkansas Library System, one of which is featured on the billboard of Little Rock. The age has been in multiple galleries, including the Hearn Fine Art Gallery, Mosaic Tempers Culture Museum, and the Baum Gallery. Deja is a graduate from Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas, with a degree in visual art, minor in business. That's a Deja Cooper in short. And that bio I got from you last year, and I know you accomplished more in the past year. So everybody out there, you know, just first off, like, how did you start your journey as an artist? And it's such it's so interesting to me because you told me before, but just for our listeners, how did you, you know, uh, start your journey to becoming an artist? Yeah, so I wish I could say that I was always an artist. Well, I I can't say that I was always an artist, but my journey truly started in I think my sophomore or junior year of high school. I had to take like a mandatory drawing class and I was really mad about it because all we did was draw lines um, up and down a paper. And at the end of the school year, the teacher, he gave me a bunch of art supplies because he was retiring. And I took him home and I started painting a little bit and I realized how much I enjoyed it. It was okay, I can make a couple bucks off of this. Um, and I didn't really take it too seriously until I applied for Arkansas Governor's School, which at the time happened every summer at Hendricks College. And I applied for art and I applied for science. At the time I wanted to be either like a, a surgeon, I wanted to go to medical school for something. So science was kind of a priority for me, but I got accepted for art. So the entire summer before my senior year, I painted and I fell in love with painting. And my senior year of high school, I took a class. Uh, it was a painting two class with Rex Deloney. And oh my goodness, he really changed my life and showed me like the possibilities that I could do with art and how I can use art as a way to express what I cared about in the world. And because of him, I was like, okay, maybe this is my purpose in life. Maybe I do want to make art and heal the world with art in some way. So when I applied for Hendrix the next year, um, I was still back and forth of whether I wanted to pursue science or art. The art had my heart for sure. And ever since it's been, you know, history and I owe it all to the people in my community, uplifting my gifts and nurturing my gift and my love for art and showing me different avenues that I could take with it. Yo, that always like shocked me. You told me that. Because I think the first time that I saw one of your paintings, I think it was definitely like your freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. 
And I never would have guessed that it's like, it, me it immediately caught my eye. Uh, I think it was either House of Art or it was either a community baker. And I was like, that's dope. And so to hear that you just really didn't get into it until like your high school years, I would have imagined that you have been drawn and painting like since a little kid all the time. And because you just that great at what you do. But uh it, so you so you never really had an interest in art as like when you were like five, six, seven, or eleven or twelve. It was just something that really that you found that passion in high school, you didn't even enjoy it at all when you were younger? See, I I loved art when I was a kid, but it wasn't, it didn't take up my entire like time as a kid. I did a lot of sketching and I made a lot of like little comic books um, as a kid. And I was always a visual person, so it didn't struck me that, oh, I'm an artist. For example, I would have, like whenever I was taking notes in middle school, I would have my notes on the same page as a bunch of doodles. So it looked like a big collage, messy sort of jumbled, you know, artistic piece, but it made sense in my brain and the words kind of flowed into the, the images. Mm. But it never really crossed my mind that, oh, this is how I, you know, this is who I am, I'm an artist, so this is how I kind of think. Um, until I started making actual artistic pieces, intentional artistic pieces, and I realized, oh, that's the same process that I use for my paintings. So I would say that I was always an artist as a kid mm -hmm. from childhood all the way up until I realized, oh, okay, this is what I want to do. But the intention wasn't always there. Got you, got you. And I think a lot of artists, just in general, do what you mentioned too. Like we write down notes and sketch something. Or I used to, I used to write like poems or songs in the middle and on the sides. I would have like different little symbols and little cartoons and stuff that I would doodle. I think it's just a part of a creative process with us. It's just like that we process yeah. things and we just think creatively and artistically while we're doing our work. But that's dope, like you know what I'm saying, to see how uh, quickly you elevate it. And so like, what are the, some of the experiences that you have had while you've been in college that have, you know, kind of helped you further your career? Yeah, so my freshman year was mostly spent painting as much as possible. I did a lot of commissions and exploring different mediums. Um, so, for example, I took drawing classes, I took printmaking classes, I took a film photography class, which I loved, absolutely loved. Um, and I experimented with other types of paints. But when the pandemic hit, which was for me, I had to leave school in March of 2020. When I was back home, um, I had to be a little bit more resourceful. So I found more hand, more accessible 
items to make my art with, um, more local things to make my art with. And as a result, I was able to have my first official solo show at the House of Art, um, which changed my life also. But mm -hmm. I would definitely credit my, my passion and a lot of my skill to the professors and the teachers that I've had in the past eight years. Um, because while I did a lot of things outside of school, it was nice to have some some form of artistic home, I would call it, or you know, have some type of root in an institution. And my professors and my teachers definitely did that for me. Yo, that, that, that is that's very dope. Also, uh, one of the things that I remember bringing attention to your work was the Seventh Street Mural Project. Uh, I remember uh, when they first started Seventh Street Mural Project, just I was just like, man, it's close to the studio where I record my, my music at. And I remember just being excited that taking that drive under that bridge and seeing those walls full of life because it just, just dull <laughs> uh, before that and uh, seeing how consistently things have been, you know, uh, taken care of over there and updated. Uh, but you had an experience that was unlike a lot of the other artists where your art, your mural was actually targeted for like uh, hate and vandalism. Just share like, uh, what that what that feeling was like because I, I feel like it really was it went from something that was negative to something that was positive. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll give a little bit of context. So after that first solo show that I had at the House of Art, Jose from the Seventh Street Mural, he just so happened to like walk through the show. And I wasn't even there that night, which is even crazy. Mm -hmm. um, he was like, oh, okay, this art is cool. Do you think the artist would like to do a mural? And at that time, like, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to have a bigger canvas mm -hmm. for my art. And I was so excited. I think I found out on Wednesday of that week, the Friday of that week, I had a sketch and then that Saturday morning, I was at Home Depot getting all the paint <laughs> at the mural ready with my little apron. Had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, didn't even know the first steps of creating a mural. But I finished it that Sunday evening. And I was working eight, 10 hour days just trying to finish it, um, knocking out as quick as possible. And the mural was inspired by a different another painting that I did titled uh, Day 13. And the mural was titled Ain't I a Woman and kind of re reflected on my experiences as an artist, especially a black female artist dealing with trying to create when there's so much pressure, um, especially racial pressure in the world at that time and even now. So it was dedicated to Black women who were uh, victims of police brutality in the medical system. Um, and 
it was dedicated to honoring them. And I think it, it had to be three, three days after I had finished the mural, I saw in the group chat that someone had vandalized it. And it was so badly vandalized that I didn't even recognize it as my own piece. Like I thought it was just a, a blank wall that someone had painted black. It's how badly that it was vandalized. And I remember on my way to the mural to you know assess the damage, I remember bawling. I was just crying so hard, like, dang, you know, this is my first piece, my first mural, uh, my first attempt to like tell the world, you know, how I'm feeling about what's happening. And felt like someone was trying to shut me up. But one thing I do remember is as soon as I got to the mural, like all the tears just stopped. And it was like, okay, now I have a job to do. These women like deserve more than what has happened on this mural. They deserve more than what they got out of life. Um, they just deserved more. And at that point, that's when my art, I truly felt that my art became more than just being decor or pretty. And it, it was, an act of resilience and it turned into like activism at that point um like the message was so important it wasn't even about me like the tears just weren't even about me at that point. it was about what they had to go through and how that message is still affecting people to this day um, so even though it happened again then the Mira was defaced twice. Um, I still felt that same feeling like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going as long as I have to, because their stories are just that important to be shared through public art, um, through any way possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, I definitely felt that um, that piece because like you mentioned, it was more than art, it was a message to what you were doing. You honored women and uh, Sojourner Truth, the woman who had that phrase, made that phrase popular, that speech ain't on a woman. It was a demand for equal rights for all women. And you honored Henrietta Lacks, Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor, just to name a few. And these women all, you know, were in moments where their rights were violated uh, as black women. And, but what I, you know, say, and, and he got, your mural got defaced twice. And, and I just love how the fact that, like, it was, it was a moment of resilience for you too, how you just, drop what she was doing, like, you know what, I'm coming back, I'm putting this piece back up there, it's going to be brighter, bigger, and better every time. The community getting behind you, like, donate money and art supplies to you to redo it two times, to do it three times in total, and uh, that was just a dope uh, moment, and I think it brought more attention to your art, actually, too, because 
you know, you received a lot of attention from the local media when that happened too as well. And uh, I think it, like I said, it just really showed the power of what you're doing for sure. And, uh, but also you've done, you know, since several things since then too, uh, while getting your degree. Another, another moment I felt like that you really use your art to not only uh, let it be a message, but also to educate our people. You did the uh, Arkansas Black History Coloring Book with my guy, Wesley Peters. And tell me, like, how was that experience? Oh, that was such a great experience. Such a great experience. And um, wow, like this idea was something that we've had for a minute. My mom, Angela Bradford, she has been interested in doing something related to educating children and really just educating people about how dope Arkansas is and how dope the people in Arkansas are. Um, so coloring book just seemed to be such an accessible way for people to learn and get entertainment out of it. And this is my first time doing any sort of illustration. So mm -hmm. that was kind of what I did. Um, Angela's so weird to call her that, but my mom, Angela, she <laughs> was in charge of like managing who, whose stories are told, which was really hard because there's so many cool people in the state. Um, so the first edition, like she curated the people who were in it. And then Wesley was in charge of getting all of the, the facts and connecting with these people and promoting it. And he did such a good job with really getting like the personal stories out of the people like from their mouths. So it was, it's really cool to work with both of them and find a way to find that intersection. But especially with critical race theory being um, at the time, like a hot topic, it was, in, it was so important for the color book to be in the hands of students, especially black students to see their history, not only like the black and white history that is usually told of like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, but to see people who are still here today in our state making change happen. Um, so it was it was such a cool experience and we're really excited for the next edition, which will be coming out in February of 2024, uh, which will feature even more Arkansans because there are a lot to choose from, like I said. And yeah, I just I love the idea, I love the project and the people that you know, I was able to work with. It's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we that was a definitely a great idea. And we uh we all loved it, you know what I'm saying? I, I was able to get a few copies of it and give it out and uh, you know, nothing but great things. I heard about a great feedback from it. And like you said, you know, been a pivotal time in our country when talking about black history and critical race theory, and even now with like affirmative action, all that type of stuff. These are like hotbed topics. And uh, anytime we could take it upon ourselves to educate each other, in particular youth, 
and it's always a great idea. But to combine that with the art, definitely a great idea. And, you know, we, we appreciate y'all for helping us educate the youth. That was very dope. And I interviewed Wesley about it too. He kind of told me, like, you know, y'all kind of, you know, kind of put the pressure on him, like, yo, we got this, we got this ready. You got those words, and he was like, you know, <laughs> he had he had to step it up and, and speak process <laughs> a little bit. But that's dope to see you, your mom, and him collaborate on a great project. And so Definitely 2024, we're going to be looking for this round two, seeing what black influential figures y'all picked into as well. And also, you know, it's a good segue too, because we had an opportunity uh, to work with a group of youth with the Village Place. Shout out to BJ Woods, uh, Our Voices magazine. We had some great youth, and I kept telling you, I don't know how serious you believe me, but I kept telling you, like, you were the favorite teacher throughout that whole, like, few months. They just kept on asking, when are you going to come back? And oh. I was like, yo, she's going to be back at this time, this day, you know, because you, you did more <laughs> classes. You did more class. The only person that did more classes than you was me, and, I, and that's because I was – collaborating on it. I did every class, you know, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when we were doing our, our last lesson and I was like, y'all know this is it. Like we're only going to be talking on the phone through text messages. Y'all won't be coming up here to work on it. Mm -hmm. And last week they were like, we're going to be done. We're done. Yeah. Y'all were done coming up to the village place. And we were like, but look, we got to run this back because we're going to do issue two. And they said, we said, who should we bring back? <laughs> and the first name they said, bring back a day. <laughs> 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 and I was like, I was thinking to my mom, we already had the conversation with what you was like. You were like, I'm going to fly to do this. And I was like, yeah, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get to be abroad. So, yeah. So I was thinking to my mom, like, she ain't even going to be here next year. <laughs> After school, at least. <laughs> but um, how was that working with the youth, you know, working with the teenagers and doing art and then seeing the uh, finished product of what they did? Oh, goodness. That was one of the highlights of my year, honestly. They were, they they really impressed me with how engaged they were, how knowledgeable they were of different topics and how, not only how knowledgeable they were, but how it directly affected their community. Um, like the artists, the artistry that they had was amazing. And to see their progress over the months really just warmed my heart. I, like every Saturday that I came up, it was just a, it was just a highlight. I, I always looked, I always looked forward to engaging with them and to hear their updates and what stories that they wanted to tell in the magazine and to see the final product that was like the cherry on top it was more just more than what I even expected um, which is crazy because it's just it's just completely amazing and 
I've shared this magazine with so many people. I have some people that are interested in applying. So Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so cool. It's really cool to to see different kids from different schools being able to create one unique project in such a short amount of time, like the amount of time that they're doing it is it's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, we definitely want to press y'all for, for real. Like, y'all did that. Y'all did that too. You know, all the guest facilitators. And uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a dope or product at the end of the day, man, that it's really going to, uh, I think, do some beautiful outreach in the community. And we look forward to it. And, you know, so I think that's low key one of your great skills too is youth engagement. Because, you know what I'm saying that just sitting back and like watching you interact and teach and share your knowledge, you know, I could see that like they really just took a liking to you and look forward to whatever lesson that you had planned for the day, which is always a surprise to them too. They didn't know what they were gonna get. Screen printing <laughs> lessons they got, everything. So yeah, that was that was dope. A salute to you. And uh, yeah, that, that was a great uh, final product. And so, you know, you had an opportunity to see uh, in the spring this year a, an exhibit. It, it was at the Wind Gate Museum at Hendricks uh, College. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, you know, that, I know that was like right coming up right on your graduation. And I didn't know that you were working at the Wingate Museum on the campus too, but that's that, that's definitely dope. How was that experience? Was that your first time curating whole like exhibit at, at the Wingate Museum? Or, and how was that experience? Yes, it was my first time curating. Um, I I was working at the Wingate my entire four years. Okay. Years I mostly did installation and designing. So any like background vinyls that you see on the wall um, and like the art that you see hanging up, that was kind of my job. Mm -hmm. But I had an opportunity, I think the summer of 2020 as well, to help with a curation, or to help a curator with her job. But I didn't do a lot of curating. Um, I think her name was Stephanie Sims from UAPB. She did an amazing job with a display that we had called um, Let Us March On. Mm -hmm. But this was my first time creating a show by myself, which I didn't know it's going to be as hard as it was. Mm -hmm. um, but it was titled For the Record. And the idea was for it to be about using vinyl records as an artistic form mm -hmm. and highlighting different hip hop artists and hip hop movements in general to talk about history and the present. Um, so I had different artists from literally around the world. Um, I had an artist, Kazuma, who was from Japan. And then I had an artist from Poland, I had an artist from Indiana, I had a local artist from McAdoo he did the hip-hop brick wall mm -hmm. and finding these different artists whose 
genres are so niche it was so small was difficult by itself but also creating a story with all their pieces mm -hmm. was just as difficult um and it was it was amazing very rewarding to see the final product the final product and i love curating um i just didn't know that it was going to be like that on such a large scale i think we all kind of curate that's you know that's my personal opinion when it comes yeah. to like playlist or like your instagram post that's a form of curation telling a story yeah. in a sequence for people to you know feel some type of way um so for me to do that with within a museum was was really eye-opening very eye-opening i made a lot of decisions that I didn't think that people would um, people would react to or even notice, but sometimes they did. So it was it was really fun. It was really really fun. Yeah, no, it was definitely a great exhibit. Sam, I took a bunch of pictures because I love the art in that exhibit. And yeah, you know what I'm saying like. Anytime you can shed um, light on like the inspiration of hip hop, it's very influential in my life. It's part of my culture. You know, I'm, I'm all about that. That was a great exhibit, and uh, I look forward to seeing what else you curate. And I like that comparison too, because we definitely do curate. Uh, we all curators, like you said. I never heard nobody say it like that. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right from the way we put together playlists to, you know what I'm saying, to social media, to, you know what I'm saying, our daily lives, prepping the meals and everything like that. That's all a form of curating. So that's definitely dope. And uh, we're going to wrap things up in a little bit, but like overall, like what's your feeling on like everything you've been able to accomplish? Finally got that degree graduated like what's what's that feeling now it's it's like a a sigh of relief mm -hmm, yeah. um, immediately followed by like me running and ripping around trying to pack for the fellowship that I have coming up um the graduating was was so interesting um and I miss my people I miss being at Hendrix but in March, I found out that I got the Watson Fellowship. So immediately, like, trying to get my ducks in a row to leave soon is just as exhilarating as graduating for me. Um, so it's, it's exciting. Feels like a chapter closed and immediately another one is opening. So this summer has been really reflective for me. And I'm just trying to spend time with people around me um, and prepare myself for what's coming because it's coming. <laughs> so one door closes, another one opens. That's what happens when you're, when you're chosen. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so like what, what, give us a little bit about, I know you can't tell us everything that you're going to be doing on this year long fellowship. Broad, but can you just tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing over the next year while you're 
Traveling. Yes. So the Watson Fellowship is an opportunity for students who have just graduated college to go on a one-year independent travel, and they have to stay outside of the U.S. for 12 months. And they're essentially doing a project that is essential to who they are. So my project um, is titled Artistic Preservation as a Form of Power um, and Preservation. So I'm looking at how public art in different cultures around the world can be a form of commemoration for an idea or activism, some type of, some form of activism. And my goal for the year is to document these murals and to help artists create murals essential to their community and to just, just build connections with different artists. So my next stop is actually in eight days. I leave in eight days. <laughs> Um, my next, my first stop will be in England, and from England I'll go to Northern Ireland, and then I'll go to Italy, and Senegal, and then my last stop will be a country that I haven't decided yet. It was supposed to be Mexico, but I'll probably go to Belize. So each place I'll spend roughly 10 weeks there, connecting with the artists, doing really informal interviews and helping them create public art and just really seeing how commemorating these ideas and preserving people's ideas affects the community. Because with my work at 7th Street, I essentially took what was happening around the world in 2020, the Summer of Reckoning and Black Lives Matter being so prevalent I took that and it's almost an artifact. The mural was an artifact for that idea that I was having at the time. And with the world being so big and so many different issues happening in different cultures, I'm interested in seeing how that translates. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm very nervous, but I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that sounds super dope. Much success to you. Blessings. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That sounds like a journey of a lifetime to me. And to be able to do what you love in the midst of all of that, you know what I'm saying, and not really worried about anything else as far as work-wise, I say. Right. That is uh, that's pretty dope. So yeah, we definitely want to send you on a successful journey abroad and can't wait till you come back next year and you ever you got some time to, to share some stories and some memories and some pictures and all of that stuff that you document. You know, so we're looking forward to hearing about that journey. Um and a great interview with you as well. But we got a Got to close things down. You know, you got to open up shop. You got to shut it down. <laughs> hey, and uh, every every segment that we do at the end of, the, of our interviews on the folded chair, it's called Unplug Your Microwave because we know that in this society, we've gotten so accustomed to 
everything happening when we wanted to. You know, they call it microwave society. And so we say unplug your microwave because we got to start thinking about long-term while some of the things that we want to do. So my question to you is, you talked about your journey and how art has really inspired you, different artists and teachers that you've had inspired you to, to uh, pursue this career that you are taking a big step on in eight days. And then with all of the different obstacles and the different things that have happened over the last few years to everybody, that brought out the activism in what you're doing too as well. So uh, as an artist, as, as an activist, long-term thinking, what is your advice to the black women who side by side with you and the ones that are coming up, what advice could you give them to continue to pursue their dreams as an artist, but to also incorporate activism, being voices for social change? What's the advice that you have? Mm, that's a that's a strong question. Yeah, um, like the only thing I could think of is if you can't find a reason to do it for yourself, like do it for the next, the next one, you know, like the next person, the next generation. Mm -hmm. Because with the work that I do, I mean, I be getting tired. Like, <laughs> it's like mules are they they take a toll on me physically and mentally. Um, but knowing that it's not for me, like the next hundred years, it's not gonna be for me. It's gonna be for that next generation. Who's gonna see it? Who's it? Who is it gonna affect in the future? And that's like that's all that matters is how that torch will be able to be passed in order to create the next change in the world. So I would say to black women and um, artists specifically to find your passion and in finding your passion, I think you also find a way for your purpose to be fulfilled and to just do it, just keep doing it because at some point it's it's not in, it's not going to be for your satisfaction. It's going to be for someone else to be inspired by you. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and I definitely feel you on that. Yeah. You're not doing your art with some intention, you know what I'm saying? At some point, you gotta feel like it's performative only. So you gotta have a purpose to what you're doing. That's dope. Hey, well, I had a great time talking to you today. This episode is powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. Shout out to you with Deja Cooper. Make sure all the listeners out there, y'all tap the description, check out her website, check out everything she got going on, and we look forward to the updates. Deja, you got any final announcements? Yeah, so I leave in eight days. Um, I'll be sharing parts of my journey on my website and on my social media accounts. So if you want to be updated on where I'm at, what I'm doing, um, 
then my website is going to be adasiacooperstudio.com. And my Instagram, my Facebook, and Twitter are all Adasia Cooper. And oh, sorry, so I just want to thank you for giving me, giving me this opportunity to talk to you. Um, I had a great time, great conversation. So thank you for that. No doubt. It's always love. Hey, we're going to add all of that information for all our listeners up there. We got to make sure you spell an Adasia right. So we're going yes. to add. <laughs> I know this is going to be easy to get the Cooper part. <laughs> we're gonna make sure we get those days days you're right. I know this because it's coming from Osiris. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of that will be added to the description in the episode. Make sure y'all keep on listening to the Folding Chair podcast. You know the quote, the famous quote from Shirley Chisholm. They don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. We out of here, y'all. Peace. America loves the myth of meritocracy more than anything else because it lets us ignore the reality of the impact of bigotry. That's a quote from Mickey Kendall in Hood Feminism. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Folding Chair Podcast powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. Make sure you keep on supporting and press play. Peace. Peace.